This is KVRX 91.7 Austin, and you are listening to Dialectica, an examination of the civic, political, and economic issues that matter to us all on global, national, and local levels. Dialectica is brought to you by students of the LBJ School of Public Affairs and is produced in partnership with the LBJ Journal of Public Affairs. We hope you enjoy the show. Good evening. You're listening to KBRX Austin 91.7. This is Dialectica Radio Show. Uh, tonight we will be discussing maps uh, used in decision making. Um, and our presenters will be uh, Professor Bjorn Sleto, Solange Munoz, Sean Strange, and Meredith Boson. Thank you for listening. And, and the director of community and regional planning. And he, uh, his name is Gabriel Baez, and he is a former uh, School of Architecture student. He's an alum from the School of Architecture. And he had just um, received an appointment to be the new planning director for the city. And he basically came to ask for technical assistance. To so to follow up on his uh, visit, to UT, I went down in August last year and um, spent some time visiting the communities in uh, the informal settlements in Santo Domingo and meeting with government representatives and NGOs to begin thinking about how we could uh, initiate such a relationship. And that's when I first saw Los Platanitos, which became the community where we ended up doing our work. And I was just impressed by how how engaged the uh, community members were in in this project and how how receptive they were and how um, it seemed to me that the city and the, the NGOs involved were very very supportive and that it would be possible to do a class project there. So what came out of that trip was basically two principal goals. Um, uh, one goal is is driven by community members and our partners in government and in NGOs in Santo Domingo. And that was to, first of all, to uh, create uh, data, to create a database, uh, develop uh, maps and information about the community because these informal settlements do not, there's no information available about these communities. They're literally off the map. Another, another request, another goal um, from community members and government officials was to develop a methodology that could be used by um, scholars and, and policymakers in Santo Domingo to replicate the study and learn more about similar communities elsewhere in Santo Domingo. And then, of course, I, as a, as a professor at UT, also needed to consider pedagogical goals and how I could develop a class that ended, that resulted in such a, a creation of a database at the same time in the set of methods that could be replicated. So that led me then to 
think carefully about setting up um, class format, the class structure that could serve these different goals. And that meant developing, developing a format that was uh, participatory, that involved dividing responsibilities among teams, uh, among students, and that um, involved both technical training and and uh, practice in doing field work at the same time as students had to had to co- develop ways of thinking critically about the work they do in such uh, communities the uh, city of Santo Domingo had provided Dr. Sleto with uh, numerous baseline maps and so in December of 07 the GIS team began compiling the data and due to the fact that the informal settlement was not uh, mapped by the city, we uh, used online mapping systems to uh, gather aerial photos, which were then um, placed um, using the uh, georeferencing um, on the baseline maps themselves. In addition to developing these base maps to bring with us to the field, we also began developing surveys and, and methods for conducting focus groups and interviews with the community members. Because the project was not all about actually mapping the, the buildings and the, and the physical material reality. We also needed to know more about the social context and document the uh, um, poverty levels and educational levels and income levels and so on to better understand the social makeup of the community. So Meredith Bassin uh, was uh, one of the students on working on the qualitative research team, and she can talk a little more about how the surveys and focus groups were developed. Uh, I was part of the qualitative research team, and I think that we started with two major goals, and that was to collect information that might be missed by the mapping teams and as well as including people that weren't working directly with the GIS team. Um, And to that end, we prepared two things before we left. One was the survey, which included demographic information or questions about to collect demographic information, um, questions about housing and questions about vulnerability, which included um, questions about illness. Um, and other factors that we thought would be proxies for vulnerability. Um, And then we also prepared focus groups um, based largely in participatory methods. We ended up having focus groups that included um, well-being and problem ranking, which was basically having people um, brainstorm and then uh, ranking which problems were the most serious, um, which problems occurred most often, yeah, and, and one of the great things about the um, <clears throat> the information that Meredith's team obtained was that we could actually display this data using the maps that we were making. I'm Solange Munoz, and I was also part of the project. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how when we first arrived, uh, we had this feeling like we really didn't know what we were walking into. We had very little information, as Sean and Meredith talked about. Um, And there was, I think, a sense of, I don't know, I felt very lost at first. Uh, 
So when we first got there, one of the things that we were doing was um, meeting the community and working with the community, particularly on the maps, well, also on the survey stuff. But for the maps, it was really important because we had this picture of Google Earth. That was basically it. And uh, we needed to figure out what part of Los Platanitos we were actually talking about because we didn't really know. I remember being really surprised at how small it actually was compared to the map that we had. Um, so what we did was, after meeting with the community, we got together in the afternoon and uh, asked them what part of the map that we had was Los Platanitos. And that was really interesting because we didn't really understand the map but then they had never seen Los Platanitos from that angle. So they also didn't really understand the map at first. So for a long time, um, it was a lot of yelling, not in a bad way. Uh, I think Dominicans speak much loud, much more loudly than we do. But it, there was a, a lot of yelling about, oh, it's this street. No, it's over here. No, it's that street. No, over there is called something else. Um, and I think we spent a good four or five hours trying to figure out the boundaries of Los Platanitos. Yeah, so after working with the community and, and, and you know, determining what the boundaries were of the barrio and, and um, some other important locations around Los Platanitos, um, the team, all teams, um, went, went out, of the, out of the building and went into the field. And actually, um, like the jazz team went through and um, noted each street and uh, each alleyway, and uh, each building footprint, and the various land uses for those footprints. And um, we were using the, the base map um, that we had gotten from uh, online um, and the, the, the city's street file. And one of the things that we came across was that none of the streets in Los Platinos was actually on the city's file. And so we got lost um, pretty much everywhere we went. And it was hard to... Um, determine where we were on the map at certain times, but you know, with the help of the community and the help of our uh, our lucky security guards that were there, we. Um so Los Platanitos is off a main road, um, and it's set in a canyon, basically a small canyon, um, and it's a small community with very small streets. A lot of informal houses. A, a lot of houses are made of cement. Others are made of that sheet metal. Um, so you see a little bit of everything. One of the things I think that we were all quite surprised about was um, the garbage. There's a lot of garbage in that whole area. And we knew that there was garbage. We knew that people... W Bjorn had told us before, Dr. Sleto had told us that um, one of the main issues is with the garbage. What we found out when we got there is that that garbage isn't only on the surface, but it's in all of the soil. And it's because Los Platanitos was built, or was, or before, a landfill. And I think it was the largest landfill in Santo Domingo um, in the 80s. And that became really clear when we saw when they were building a a cistern and you could see I don't know I think it was probably 6 feet under 10 feet under 
Thanks, Sean. And um, you could see the garbage, all of the plastic bags coming out of the wall of the hole that they were building. And um, after we worked with the communities in creating the boundaries of, of, uh, of the neighborhood itself, we went out into the field and, and began, um, on, our, on our base map that we created, we began drawing the roads um, of the area, not just the roads, the alleyways, the, 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 the commercial zones, and um, we also began um, putting down the, um, the building footprints um, that... Um, where the people lived, and we put down the footprints of where the the various land uses were, and um, in that process, we would walk through the community and up and down the, the you know up and down the valley walls and, and along the canyada itself, and, and we would get lost every so often, and you know we'd be <clears throat> we'd be sitting you know hours upon hours during the hottest part of the day, and you know breathing in the the, the fumes from a local you know local plant. And uh, it was really, really intense time, but we really got some good information, and we were with the community themselves. So, luckily, whenever we would get lost, we would find our way back to our to our community. And then, then um, after a few days, we we began to really learn the 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 makeup of the area, and we kind of became part of the community as well. And that everyone began to know, like you know, remember who we are and remember our names. And um, it was really a good time to to gather not just the physical structure of the area, but more of the of the social fabric of the area that then could be um, tied into uh, our maps and displays. On the second trip that we took, the qualitative research team focused a lot on visioning workshops. Um, and the idea there was to get the community together, get different uh, facets of the community together, men, women, children, um, together in an organized fashion in an open forum to express ideas about what they would like their community to look like in the future. And um, there were uh, two facilitators from our group that helped to um, document all everything that was that was um, all the ideas that were coming out in the brainstorm. Um, and those were documented um, in a visual manner for the because there are a lot of people in the community that. Um, don't have very high levels of literacy so we tried to make sure that we were representing things visually as well um and from there we got a good um image of what the community would like for their future and from there we moved on to mapping some resources so that they would have a good and organized idea of what resources are available to the community, both within the community and places um, and institutions that they can reach out to so that they have an idea of where they, a, a starting point to make changes that they would like to see in the community. One of the things that we learned during the visioning workshop was that um, aside from the lack of jobs that, that women specifically pointed out that they would like to see more women in the community working. Um, and from that, um, that really sparked my interest because of my interest in gender and development, and I wanted to follow up with my own um, research, and I was able to return on a trip of my own. What Sean has alluded to is that we, in this project, we had to integrate very different types of data, um, social information, and also perceptions of neighborhood members, and the community members about their neighborhood, 
as well as as physical information, material information about the locations of streets and buildings, and also try to understand where this is uh, community is located in the context of the rest of the city. So, so those are two principles that really inform the class is integrating different types of data and working at different scales of analysis. So, uh, because the question of risk and vulnerability we haven't talked about yet, but our purpose was to assess, to understand what are the environmental risks and specifically the flooding problems that um, really wreak havoc for people who live at the bottom of this canyon. And the, the issue is that different people are affected differently by risk, and that's what vulnerability refers to. And Meredith was talking about how the surveys gave us a sense of where people are, where different um, families are located in relationship to um, the areas of risk. And then we had to look at different scales. We had to understand how Los Patanitos is situated in the broader context of Santo Domingo. So we actually... uh, spend some time walking around the neighborhood and and trying to get a picture of the situation geographically speaking of this community and we literally observed how the people, the poorest members of the community live at the very bottom and community members from around from surrounding communities still actually throw garbage into this uh, neighborhood so we try to get a sense of sort of the gradient of vulnerability and how that's related to the economic situation and, and levels of poverty. So so the project really became about understanding contradictions in in geographically speaking and contradictions socially speaking in this community. Bjorn was talking about the contradictions, and um, Sean was also talking about the area of Los Platanitos, what it was like. And I just wanted to mention, because I think it's really important, and it's something we struggled with throughout the class, even before we went and when we came back, um, is the idea of, you know, when you do development work, you're working in poor communities. And right now we're talking about all the poverty and the dire situation that these people are in but I think it's really important to talk about how the area, Los Platanitos was beautiful you had, it was all green it was sunny every day, I mean we're talking about the Caribbean um, a, lot of, a lot of the people had their fruit trees in their, neighbor, in their um, gardens and I remember that we would go by and they would offer us fruit they would offer us food in different places. People were always offering us. If we were going by, again, we were always with the community or a community member. And so the community member might stop and say, hey, how's it going? And they would introduce us and the people would invite us into their homes. Um, I think it's dangerous when you do this type of development work and to talk constantly about the poverty that these people live in it's almost a way of dehumanizing them. They just become these poor people. Um, and I don't want to say that they were happy people, because I think that's another way of dehumanizing them. But the issue comes up 
how how do you describe a different world that we just don't really understand, but we were there, we were working in it? Solange is talking about the... Uh um, brings me to to the issue of representation, and which is really important in this kind of work. And we spend a lot of time in class and here at UT and down in Santo Domingo talking about um, our responsibility regarding how we actually write up and and present the data that we collected, because it's that that is so important considering the fact that there was no no data, no maps. Um, nothing written about this community before, so we felt a huge weight of responsibility because of because of the position we were in, and um, this brings up also the the notion of maps as as these rhetorical representations. They maps do tell a story, and all maps have authors, and, and there are decisions made regarding what's what goes into a map. And and we felt that it was really important to do this, to design these maps with the community in mind, and and be very cautious about what was included in the maps, and think critically about how these can be used um, and will be used in in policy making in the future. Because at the end of the day, the maps that we made might end up sort of taking on lives of their own, and become um, included in policy making that really could be really will be beyond our our control so these are things that we talked a lot about and was was very important to us and um, in talking about maps as um, important tools in policy decision making um, a lot of what we did in Los Patintos focused on um, not just the the physical makeup of the area but um, zones where for example, children would play along the the creek area, and also um, focus on points along that that's that creek that were hazardous zones or or spill zones during flood periods. And um, a lot of interesting facts came out of that. In that, next to where children would play, there would be places um, that were considered hazardous by the community. And um, the part of the important uh, importance of this of this analysis was that we would take this this information that was um, very important to the community that was uh, expressed the risks, um, high-risk areas or vulnerable areas, and then we would display those in the maps. And then those maps would then be um, utilized in the policy decision-making process, hopefully for the community. And um, we had to make choices on which symbols to use to represent the contaminated zones, for example, or the play zones, and one specific example is the contaminated areas um, were represented by, you know, for example, skull and crossbones, and and the areas where children would play were represented by green zones, and um, spill zones would cover the certain areas around the Kenyatta with with specific red points showing exactly where those spill zones were, and this was kind of the difficult part in making the final maps um, for for the report and that it was uh, we had to take the symbols into account in displaying the specifics of the to structure the argument these maps that we've been talking about and and all the photographs we took during the trips and 
and our interviews, all this had to be packaged in in various forms to present to various uh, partners that we had during this project. And and after our first trip in January, we developed a poster, because that was requested by the community members, we developed this large poster that included some of the maps, some of the initial findings from the surveys, and, and some summary texts and photographs. And we brought that down to present to the community in our second trip in April. And we also develop PowerPoint presentations and present it to policymakers and our NGO partners on that trip in, in April. And um, then after that trip, we, we also, in that trip, we also filled in some missing information and, and added some more information. After that trip, we returned and we started working on our final report, which actually ended up taking all summer to finish. And we, in that report, we uh, lay out our methods. We, we focus on the methods and how we did this research because the beginning, the initial goal was to develop a set of methods that could be used by um, students and scientists and policymakers in Santo Domingo to continue this work. So that's the principal focus of the report. But we also lay out uh, our findings and and have a few recommendations for policy interventions and and specific uh, work that should be undertaken now to to remedy some of the problems uh, with risk and vulnerability in the community. One part about the the final report is that it wasn't just a report of you know simple methods to use to you know analyze a community, but the methods required um, community engagement and inclusion in in the methods that were to be used. One important aspect of this project uh, was the participatory side of it, um, working with the community, working directly with the community, something we've talked quite a bit about today, but also working with other institutions, other actors, like the government, like NGOs, um, the university. And, and the way, something for us that was really important was the way we could engage all of these groups um, together. I mean, that's not the best way to explain it, but trying to work with all of these organizations at the same time and, and trying to create a more equal working relationship um, with, with all of these. I mean, for us, this was a, a method, in fact, a participatory method in, in the project. It wasn't just something that was out there. It was kind of like the main, our project was grounded in this idea of participation or participatory work. Um, and... I think it kind of goes back to this idea that this is a community that was not on any maps. And that was my interview with uh, Professor Bjorn Sleto, Solange Munoz, Sean Strange, and Meredith Boson. They were discussing their work in Santa Domingo uh, with Los Platanitos. Um, 
Thank you for listening to Dialectica Radio Show on KVRX 91.7. Please visit us at our blog, dialecticaradio.blogspot.com. Thanks and have a great night. Dialectica has been brought to you by the students of the LBJ School of Public Affairs in partnership with the LBJ Journal of Public Affairs. Sources for our show can be found on our website, which can be accessed through kbrx.org. Any opinions offered on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of the LBJ School of Public Affairs, the University of Texas, or KBRX Student Radio. Thank you to our producers and our guests, and remember, you are listening to KBRX Austin.